0: Hey guys, what's good? You're listening to London College of Communication's Value Talks, a series where we bring together figures from across the creative industries to chat about contemporary issues and the importance of creativity. I'm Timothy Ogu. I'm a multidisciplinary artist and a creative director, and I graduated from LCC back in 2017. Today, I'll be chatting to three leading professionals about diversity and inclusion in public relations. We'll explore why representation matters, how to find your niche, and driving positive change. You'll hear from Kamikwa Lake, founder and CEO of Colda and the UK Black Comms Network, and two fellow LCC grads, Mohamed Kazalbash, head of publicity at Live Nation Entertainment, and Rachel Allison, founder of PR agency Axe Saw. It's time to hear from our panellists, but just a reminder, you can also head over to the LCC YouTube channel to watch our value talks as they happened. I hope you guys enjoy. I'm surrounded by an esteemed panel. Please introduce
1: yourself. Yeah, I'm uh, Mo Kazelbash. I graduated from LCC on the PR degree, um, and I'm currently head of publicity at Live Nation Entertainment.
2: Hi, I'm Kameekwa Lake, or Cam. I graduated from London College of Fashion, or UAL. Um, I can't actually remember when, a very long time ago. Um, And I um, founded my own agency called Colder. We do purpose comms. I'm also founder of the UK Black Comms Network, and I sit on the board for the PR and Communications Association. Hard to follow, but
3: (laughs) I am Rachel Allison. I am the founder of an agency called Axe Saw, which is, again, quite similarly focused on purpose-driven communications. I graduated the same year as Mo, um, but I was also late to uni because I am a bit of a wild child.
0: <laughs> Great. And today we're going to be talking about diversity and PR. So first question for you guys: How diverse is PR as an industry? <laughs> <laughs> Silence.
3: <laughs> um, I mean, not diverse. <laughs> Easy answer. Is it
0: changing? Shall I, ch- shall I ask? Is it changing, or are we just? Is it? is it not i think we're in like a
1: beginning stages of people understanding change actually needs to happen
3: mm.
1: or not necessarily acting on the change but vocalizing that the change needs to happen mm. um and i think it also depends like what sector of pr you work in like mm. if you're working in pharmaceutical banking you know i don't imagine those are very diverse areas period um but if you move into kind of more culture, entertainment, art, expressive art, you, you do see there's definitely more diverse candidates there. But I do think, yeah, it is changing, but I guess it's changing on the surface, not actually changing yeah. Yeah. in terms of a concept.
2: Yeah. I, I would say it's not that diverse. I think the stats are that it's 79% white British and then maybe 10 to 12% white other. And 3% of, black, of professionals come from a black background. Um, so, and, and that's not even thinking about all the other kind of minorities and all the other ways that you can look at diversity in PR. Um, so it's still very much a white middle class over indexes in terms of being privately school educated industry. And I think we're starting to see people, you know, even the fact that we're having this conversation, we're talking about it a bit more seriously, Um, but we still know that even when people come in, they don't stay in the industry. So I think there's a stat around, you know, two thirds might come in and might be more diverse, but actually when you get to kind of middle management or senior, there's a lack of representation from different sort of ethnic groups, but also ability versus disability, and also from different class backgrounds. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the stats kind of speak for themselves. And I'm sure we can all
3: speak from personal experience that we are often the only one um, who isn't white in (laughs) any room we go into. Um, And I'm sure we've all got personal experiences that can really highlight how much it is lacking in the industry. So I know, for example, I've been pulled into pictures at the last minute when it's a streetwear client because they think that it will help sell the brand a lot more because I am the epitome of urban, <laughs> apparently. Um, so it's it's all those kind of like small microaggressions that you come across in your day to day that really signify that this as an industry hasn't evolved that much mm-hmm. and still really isn't. As you have kind of said, like the culture space seems to be kind of progressing in the right direction, but it always should have been progressing in that direction because Often, people of color and particular black people are the ones that are creating the culture, so it should be highly overly indexed in that space, but it isn't. So, I don't know, there's like a lot to be said about,
1: yeah. And also, I think like PR is really good at PRing itself, so they're they're not going to be very being like, Well, we do have a diversity (laughs) issue, but I think it kind of stems from, as you said, like as an individual, you have to be quite you know, and, and this might come across a bit kind of you know, cutting, but. Quite privileged to get into PR mm. you know, PR is a lot of media consumption a mm. lot of understanding when I say culture I mean culture within media mm. not culture in the world in the world around us and people who are afforded the time to take in things like art take in things like current affairs have a knowledge of politics often aren't people like us mm. um, you know we don't we never ne- didn't necessarily have summers to do free internships you know mm. one after the other and gain access to the industry or whatnot. So there is definitely that kind of skew there or that barrier that comes into it. So, you know, I think, you know, and we don't kind of address that. We don't address the fact that we do actually, as an industry, unfortunately, really do take advantage of new talent when they come in. And probably- Oh, free Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah. And then explain why they
2: all want to leave. Yeah. 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 Full spade spades. Yeah, it's free labour. And, you know, I um, do a little bit of teaching on the agency life course for LCC. And, you know, particularly still in fashion, still in music, that's where a lot of students are doing the internships. And that's because that's where it's free. And then equally, I think the more corporate side of PR isn't engaging with unis as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are more paid internships. Mm-hmm. But then I think the relationships with unis aren't as strong. Yeah. So, But I think they're stronger with those kind of more culture or fashion and music spaces because mm-hmm. they really need the free labour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think until things like that change, we're always going to have a bit of a diversity issue mm. um, or, and inclusion issue, I think, mm-hmm. in PR. Yeah.
0: And for the, for the more, lack of a better word, hardline subjects, for example, in PR, is it a question of, is it a question of people from different diverse backgrounds aren't going there because of the people they don't see the faces there? I mean, I'm just, I'm, am guessing that you more, if you're black and you're going into PR, you probably want to go into music because you know the yeah. favorite eyes and uh, favorite musicians that you follow are mu- um, are black or from different backgrounds. Is that the case? I or? think
1: possibly. I mean, like, I can I can only speak on like my personal experience. So like, I'm Pakistani, South Asian, mm. Muslim. So like for my culture you know a normal nine-to-five successful job is not really public relations mm. um <laughs> and also like
3: I remember i've got this I like when i tell what is him? a normal <laughs> <laughs> what
1: is <laughs> a successful I mean, job sometimes i wish i listened to my parents and became that dentist <laughs> I,
3: yeah
1: but you know, but when I told my parents I wanted to do a degree in public relations, like bless them, they thought it was a degree in customer service. Like they, because <laughs> they don't, they don't understand. Mm. Um, and a lot of kind of community groups, a lot of ethnicities, don't always look at media or new media as kind of viable safe careers to go into you know my parents moved here in the 60s so for them their kind of mentality was like they want to set their children up you Mm -hmm. know moving to a new country and wanting them like any parent would want for their kids to make sure that they're settled and that they're risk-free and it's quite funny because you look at that being quite backwards and you look at that being quite an ageist kind of view but it's actually because they they see it as well where is my child going to be most protected mm. Mm. where are they less likely to be discriminated if you are a doctor you are a doctor regardless yeah. of your you yeah. know race however i'm not saying that you know there's mm. dni issues in, in those sectors but you know those are areas that you're less exposed and you're not going to come across the kind of white color nonsense that we've all had to kind of go through so i think that's kind of one of the, the for me anyway that's all about, was one of the barriers for sure
3: i would also add to that that there's a lack of understanding i think within well I'll speak from my own personal experience as well like within the black community what PR actually is like mm. I remember like doing summers where you'd like hand out flyers and oh, yeah. everyone would say that was PR <laughs> and I, I actually genuinely thought that was PR <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No one in my family had heard of PR yeah. and then the people that had always kind of assumed it was like you working being like um what's that old like Reputation, like spin doctor, yeah, 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 like with the prime minister, just like spinning some bad stories. It was like that energy, and so Alistair Campbell, yeah, (laughs) like that era (laughs) is basically what they thought PR was. So there was a, there's a real, and I really still believe that is the case for other minority communities. There's a real lack of understanding as to what PR is, what role it plays, what the job actually entails, and then how you can get into it. I think. When you combine all those things, it's no wonder that there is a lack of understanding and lack of people wanting to get into the industry. The only time you kind of see cool PRs is like if you're the PR for Beyonce and if you're getting to do all these concepts and then you're kind of really bigged up within the industry. But like you don't really hear about the person. I mean, this is a bad example, but the person that heads up PR for Shell. Like, you know, like they've managed to change the image quite a lot with electric cars. And that's quite like a massive understanding if you don't get what PR is. And I think that's what, yeah, is also lacking. And to
1: add to that as well, like PR is just not one discipline. Like there is a long kind of spectrum. (laughs) Like you have corporate comms, reputation management, investor relationships, all those type of things. You know, publicity is actually one of the very smallest functions of PR. You know, it's a really important tool for any business. So I think also that kind of lack of understanding Mm. as well is kind of added to that narrative.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with you, I think PR, is good at PRing itself, but not very good at explaining what PR is. Yeah, and from you know. With the Black Comms Network, for example, we did some research, we know that like 70% of black talent is in-house versus an agency. So I think that plays to some of what rings true about what you were talking about, about a real career. So Mm -hmm. preferring to work for a company rather than an agency, which is a little bit like, what does that mean? What are you doing? Is that secure? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then also, really, um, a lot of um, black talent are in corporate, charity, housing, purpose, Where you feel like you can make a difference. So, Mm -hmm. in some ways, there is a real appetite to be in the more traditional or more serious areas, as well as the spaces where culture, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, where culture tends to be or where people tend to think of culture more. Normally. So um so yeah, so I'd say that actually if PR did a better job or the industry did a better job of talking about itself, explaining all the different disciplines, explaining that you could do PR for Shell or for Beyoncé, um, and what the differences might be, yeah. then you would attract more black talent. But I don't think the problem is actually attracting black or Asian talent, explaining. it's explaining it. Yeah. And then when they get in, making it an inclusive place to yeah. want to work. So Great.
0: the PR industry needs a PR agent, are we? <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, As, 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 as yeah. communicators yeah.
1: are really yeah. bad at communicating. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. But then I do also think, just to quickly add to that, the I tend to see the more money is involved in a job role and the more kind of like prestige, the lack of, the more they try not to explain it to the average person. So there's like this weird like grey smoke and mist around what PR is because everyone's, you either think it's like the fashion PR where it's kind of like posh girl goes in and she's like, Doing what's that film called, like Betty? <laughs> <laughs> Ugly Betty. Oh I mean, it's a good film, yeah. yeah, yeah I definitely yeah. was inspired by it, <laughs> but you kind of have that image, or you kind not like the imaging of the industry is just the bit that's confusing, yeah.
1: There is like definitely some mystique to it, yes. and I think we all even do that in our kind of everyday like, you yeah. have to add a bit of like, you can't give away all your cards as, yeah. of as a PR, but um. True. Yeah, it's kind of like a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's
2: competitive. And the nature of being a PR is that you're behind the scenes. So the nature of being behind the scenes and the client, the product, the service, whatever it is you're trying to promote, taking the limelight, means naturally you're always in a place where people don't always understand exactly what you yeah, do. But also point. it's because you're just a jack of all trades. Like you're doing, like you are saying, one minute press release and then you're doing a press trip. Then mm. how do you explain yeah. all of those different things yeah. in a way that is meaningful for someone to understand, okay, what does that mean I'm doing on my day to day? When a lot of PR people always say you come into it because you, you are doing different things all the time. Yeah. Um, I think then the challenge of that sometimes from a Gen Z perspective is, you know, when you see those like tweets and posts around, I'm expected to be a marketing manager, write posts. And that is PR. Like PR, one minute you're expected to write a social post and then you might be managing a press conference and you might be managing a press trip. Then, you know, and it's marrying, I guess, what talent want to do, Mm -hmm. what diverse talent want to do, making sure they're paid appropriately for that, but helping them to understand that it's not, it is almost 10 jobs in one. And that is the beauty of it rather than, that you're not being exploited because of it. And I think that's sometimes the language I definitely see amongst sort of grads around the social marketing, uh, <laughs> um, and also yeah. I do
1: think, like, with no disrespect to the kind of talent that are upcoming, but they are a different breed. They definitely know what they want. They <laughs> definitely me. like
3: explain that. Well, like, they know what they no, want. They they LCC know what their
1: value. value is. Like, I wish, no, Guys, I, not me. wish <laughs> I wish, <laughs> <me>. I, wish <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had some of that gumption when I was like first starting out. Like, I think that is quite good at knowing what you want and and kind of that also. have that. But as in like, not to the extent I reckon if like yeah. someone that's coming out of uni now, I think it's like, they're very much like very firm and being mm-hmm. like, well, this is where I see myself valued at, this is, this is what I want, this is exactly. Yeah. And kind of managing up, which mm-hmm. is actually a really important skill in PR because you can, it can get very stagnant and can get very kind of, you, you do end up halting yourself if you're not careful. So I think sometimes that as well, you need to have that progressive eye to just be like, I'm gonna navigate and make my PR career whatever I want it to be. And that's yeah. the beauty of PR is so like- Equally, you, know, you have
3: to learn. You, have oh, to, you, you, have to, you actually do have 100%. to start from the bottom. And yeah. I definitely thought I was like, little like chihuahua at points when i was (laughs) like starting out. I was like no I know how to do this and I didn't. I actually didn't know how to do it and people would be like no no you still need to like learn how to I don't know make influencer boxes or whatever before you're going on a press trip and you kind of need to know that basic element because when you do work your way up how are you going to pitch it to your client? How are you going to deliver the result unless you know how every single element of it is run and I do
2: think that is the right way to totally. progress through. Totally, yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people want to run before they can walk. Oh, yeah. And I, that is. I think you're right. I mean, when I just walked past the sign that said, if you want to start as freelance, like, graduate and go straight to freelance, I'm not saying that there, there's pros and cons of that, mm. but literally, PR is about experience. That yeah. like you put one brief on the table, we'll all approach it slightly differently yeah. based on our experience. And so, yeah, I think you've got to make sure you understand that, your lived experience, your experience in the job, your experience working on different clients and accounts, and navigating that is what makes you kind of a richer sort Mm -hmm. of PR person. So again, it's but to your point that you made earlier about being able to intern, free internships, free Mm -hmm. labour, these are all of the things that make it a challenge where yeah. one candidate might present as better yeah. than the other yeah. um, and where you might then, you know, diversity drops off again yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's about experience. being able to do those things yeah. or have those life experiences so that when you're in an interview, you can even answer some of those questions or yeah. Yeah. have some idea of how you might approach yeah. a challenge. Because yeah. essentially yeah. we're problem solvers. Yeah. Yeah. And if you haven't had that experience of problem solving, whatever that might look like.
0: Yeah. What I would ask is, is it? did you expect it to be so diverse in terms of what you were doing or did you leave uni with the idea that, because I guess you all left uni with the idea you wanted to work in PR, right? Yeah, but did yeah. you expect to be doing so many things, like as you're saying, from going to a press conference to writing a press release to writing a social post, probably all in the same day if you're working with certain <laughs> yeah. people because, yeah, I can imagine. So did you expect it to be that hands-on and diverse or was you just like, oh, I'm, I'm this PR agent and I'm going to do this?
3: i would say from my perspective i didn't as i said didn't really know what pr was i went to school did my a levels all that kind of standard stuff and then the choice of like what to do at uni came up and i was going for like i just thought i liked writing i liked history hated the essays that was basically the <laughs> toss up so i was like i'm just gonna chill for a bit and i'm not gonna go to uni much to my parents i like horror so tried to do other things kind of Fell into like working in retail and then someone had a PR agency that they were just starting. So I had like a little bit of exposure, went to the fashion retail academy, thought I wanted to do fashion retail, (laughs) classic. Um, And there was a teacher in there that was the PR teacher and I thought that he was the most fun. And I just like to go out. I like to talk to people. (laughs) It's literally this basic. This was how my thinking went. I was still young, guys. And I was just like, okay, he seems the most fun. He seems like the things that we're doing seems like the closest to what I'd like to do in the future and say that was genuinely what pushed me to do a PR degree. Mm. And then on the degree, I was like, oh, that's actually... <laughs> 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 not quite what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> we don't go out okay <laughs> we just do loads of work okay cool but like also I think in the age that I was going through uni social media was just picking up yeah. and I strangely like don't know why Gmail decided to do this but linked my like blog post that we had to write for uni it was really cringe it was called like a rambling thinking from, I was just like oh it was so cringe I looked at it the other day I was like I really didn't understand what a blog post was showing my age but like that was quite a new thing. And like, yeah. I remember like sitting in social media lectures being like, what is this stuff? Yeah. Like, you know, they're talking about Twitter and metrics. And I was like, this is not what I signed up for. That sounds really sciencey. I don't like this. And like, it's just amazing how much ha- the industry has quickly evolved and actually how quickly you have to adapt being in PR. And I think that's what makes it exciting. I was always a person that didn't stay in jobs that long back in the day, like 16 mm-hmm. year old kind of vibe but like as i got into pr i actually just got quite addicted to the like fast pace and you don't actually end up leaving very often mm. unless there's a reason to like it's just that much of an evolving changing atmosphere that you always feel quite excited by it and i as i said get bored quite easily so that was essentially why i got into pr yeah.
1: um i don't know for me i think when i started i i was doing a few internships whilst at uni so My weekends were really, really fun because I'd cram in my weekend job, go to uni, then do, you know, my various bits here and there. I think it was what I expected it to be, but I knew before I came into uni what I wanted my career path to be, unfortunately. That sounds quite sad no, and depressing. He genuinely, but I, genuinely, genuinely did. Genuinely, like, like I did I think oh one thing I'll always say and if you genuinely have that passion, do your homework. Like mm-hmm. I think I really frightened a lot of people on LinkedIn with the aggressive <laughs> no, stalking genuinely, or whatnot. But it, it works. Honest. It works. And like I've been in situations now where you know, I I can talk about this candidate who I interviewed and didn't end up getting the job, and they literally hit me back up, and they convinced me to be like, actually, no, you're making a mistake here. So I'm always all ears, and because of like how I was trying to get in, you know, I'm 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 very kind of open to that. But yeah, I it was definitely what I expected. Um, Ten years later, um, nothing surprises me. Unfortunately, you <laughs> just like, and I don't think that's the attitude you kind of have to have. It's like. You are that doer, that fixer, the master of like dark arts almost. Mm. Um, And you'll be really surprised what people think is like (laughs) down to the PR department. Like you're just like,
2: it's It's normally not. It's normally not. And then what is us? No one really. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone forgets to tell us about it. Like, "Um, hey, we kind of needed that info. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, for me, um, I was talking about it earlier that I um, I basically wanted something where I could write and be creative. Mm. Um, my The mum's side of the family is really creative. My mum's a fine artist, went to oh, kind wow, of Central Saint wow. Martins, et cetera, So really kind of creative. And my dad has had his own business all about consistency. Find one thing you're good at, stick to it. Mm. Um, and so I chose PR because I felt it gave me a mix of the kind of academic writing, getting to know something, but also was quite creative. Mm-hmm. Um, went to London College of Fashion, and I think I got the shock of my life because I was quite academic, not your typical fashion student, not sample size, black. I mean, there was 50 of us, about three of us were black. Mm-hmm. And um, and everyone was like, oh yeah, m- you know, my my dad is, works are OK, or my... You know, everyone was connected. <laughs> yeah. And it was the first time I hadn't understood... The whole piece around connections outside of who you went to school with or who Mm -hmm. you went to, you know, who was around the corner, who you were friends with. Everybody had connections in the industry and might have been doing a degree for various different reasons. Mm -hmm. So that was a bit of a culture shock because Mm -hmm. I I really felt like an outsider from the very start. And actually halfway through, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I wanted to quit. I was doing um, an internship at Exposure. So I'd work like half the week doing an internship, doing a degree and my mum wouldn't allow me to quit. So I was like, okay, fine, I have to keep doing it. And then did, um, and I really enjoyed, I enjoyed fashion, but I didn't enjoy the industry of fashion. I love clothes, but and also free labour was at its worst thing. Yeah. you know I'd be lugging bags of shoes to Vogue and be like you know from Stratford to wherever or this yeah. the right foot's in Stratford and the, the left foot's <laughs> in Notting Hill <laughs> you need to go to both and then you know it was like mad free labour yeah. and I just thought I don't know if I could do this or um, forever or afford to yeah. do it yeah. um, and also the culture of it there was a lot of drugs there was a lot of just a lot of things that were not agree. yeah not that didn't fit with some of my mm-hmm. sort of values so Um, So, yeah, at one point, I wasn't really sure, to be honest. It wasn't what I expected Mm -hmm. (laughs) at all. But it was a real challenge to sort of learn PR. And I think... And learn what it meant to be a PR person. Mm -hmm. So I think that the key thing that definitely I've learned is just that, you know, there's a lot in the industry around, you know, if you're in fashion, you stick to fashion. Or if you're in corporate, Mm -hmm. you stick to corporate. It's like nonsense. Like, you're going to learn about yourself as you go through and work out which bits of PR you love, which bits you really don't like... And then hopefully find those brands or companies or the discipline that you really like and do. And just really, you've got to follow your own kind of personal journey with it. Because if I just stuck at fashion PR is not for me. Okay, let me find something else. I wouldn't still be in PR now. Yeah. 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 And just to echo
3: that. So I also started off in fashion PR. It was so bitchy like you really need to be made of something so well done to any fashion PR out there I couldn't hack it and then I went into broadcast PR which is also like a very under the radar element of PR but I loved it because it was very much like quick immediate results on the phone it's quite salesy but you really had to understand news so like a lot of people that worked there were ex-BBC I learned so much from them did that for a while and then I went into kind of a more traditional consumer agency and kind of like have evolved since then but like to your point you really do just find out like and at that age that was probably the right environment for me like going in, just like getting results quickly, seeing it, instant gratification, loved it. That was exactly what I needed. And then when I've kind of developed and understood properly, like the news hook, when stories are timely, all that kind of background stuff that you need to know in PR, then it made more sense for me to kind of move into the more consumer side of thing and work on campaigns and all that stuff.
1: It is quite funny, because I guess it's like, I don't know, everyone's career is different, but the main constant for majority of people in PR is that you have to do that initiation at an agency (laughs) you need to know how to do cutting books you need to know how to field calls you need to turn over six coverage reports before 9am before the client like what Mm. client is reading a coverage report at 9am but um i think it is like a you are right it is like a rite of passage and it's a great place to kind of just like learn yourself and discover Mm. yourself but um yeah, some agencies can be a bit more trickier than others. I'm yeah. sure. We well,
2: I got to, when I graduated and I was going for my first rounds of jobs. Everyone was like, "Why did you do a PR degree?" I just hired my friend who, like, yeah. down the pub. Like, it was, you know, yeah. and that is what yeah. PR still is. It's yeah. very much is about who you know. And that's, again, back to that diversity point, why we are where we are, because, you know, people hire their friends. Or if you need a job doing quickly, it's like, who do I know that can do it? But I really struggled to get in with a degree. (laughs) Um, And particularly when I was first sort of going for fashion jobs. And I ended up going in-house first for that very reason, because I struggled to get an agency job right off the bat. Yeah, and
0: I wanted to ask you guys, how do you, because I've had that in my own industry, just like, you don't realise until you start having like a candid conversation with someone that like you went oh you went to that school yeah. and then you yeah. then go like and I think of my <laughs> secondary school and I'm like and then someone, I remember someone asked me like I remember I sat around the table and they were like oh like they were all naming the famous people that went to right. my school and yeah. Yeah. I'm just like yeah so at break time we used to run through the corridors and there used to be fights and we all used to run around like my secondary school probably hates me now but it's just
3: like like, what's a good school do you like? You won't be invited back. I
0: was like, don't really want to talk about it, but like, how do you get over like the idea of connections? Because I think that's such a, I think people, we talk about like D and I and we talk about like getting more faces in the door and everything like that. But actually you don't realize like, this is like, you're dealing with people that have friends of friends of friends. So it's like, I'll be speaking to someone that's my age and before they even know it, just because of who their parents are, yeah. and then parents may not even be like. I'm not talking about David Beckham and Victoria yeah. Beckham. I'm just yeah. talking about like, oh, they just went to school with this guy yeah. and his guy, and this guy had a friend of a friend, and it's like, mm. oh yeah, like my dad came from Nigeria, like,
1: <laughs> yeah. you know, like, it, it's, 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 it's hard. really, it's really frustrating. Like, I, I came up uh, against a lot of that when I was trying to enter the industry, and it is just the, probably the most devaluing, yeah. most horrible thing to experience. Like, it's uh, no one can explain it because you yourself are an exceptional candidate, yeah. right? Right. You you may tick all the boxes, yeah. but someone else, you know, and also like, let's be real, in life, it's always good to learn about rejection. You need to have multiple rejections because every rejection is different. It's <laughs> character building and everything, but. <laughs> <laughs> <month>. but, um, <laughs> but also it's, it, it can actually really mess you up in so many ways. Like, you know, being in a room full of people that don't look like you or can talk about things that you can't like. I feel like I wear many different faces yeah. in certain rooms. Like when I'm in rooms with certain people, I need to behave a certain way. That was how I was kind of trained in PR. A real big like knock to like my confidence or whatnot I had is that I went for a job at a very high profile agency for obvious reasons, they won't be, won't be named. Um, I knew I fit the description exceptionally. I was like, this is who they're looking for. Sent in my CV didn't hear back, which I think is also very rude. Employers, mm. if you're gonna turn someone down, just say no. Yeah. I then reapplied because this was at the time of, I think it was like, I don't know, the Westminster Bridge, like terrorist attack mm. or whatnot. So my first name is Mohammed. I was like, I don't know, cause I used to hear about subtle racism mm. and microaggressions. I never used to believe it. Like mm. my brother, my sister always used to tell me about it. I was like, yeah, whatever. Like you lot are just glass half empty. I did the same application, didn't change anything, changed the name. I got invited for an interview. And I was just like, so it really messed me up. It made me hate my culture. It, I kind of internalised all of that. Um, so that's quite a... Yeah, like it just goes back to that point of, it, yeah, that's that's not right. And we definitely need to change that. And kind of looking at the label or the status or where you come from is are those big kind of barriers to entry. Because it's like, yes, you'll employ someone that you may know or may have a recommendation from, but... Who's to say that person who wasn't able to afford to do the free internship at Adidas for the week for the summer isn't an exceptional creative mm-hmm. and could be what the industry needs or has some of the best ideas because of their surroundings, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah. I
2: completely agree with you and that's mm-hmm. why I am Kamikwa. Uh, I don't mind people calling me Cam because it's easier, but when I first was applying for jobs, I was Cam because it was just easier. they, They couldn't struggle to get it right. And it helped me get through the door. Um, but then what I would do is my signature, I'd make it Kamikwa, but it would always have to be a decision. Can I, should yeah. I, is this gonna be okay um, to do it? And then it's only when I became more senior, and I stopped caring, I would just be <laughs> Kamikwa and that's how <laughs> but, but, you call it. But yeah, because you know, sometimes it would happen where you get, you get into a job and they would do CAM automatically and it's yeah, like they wouldn't even yeah, ask the question. Yeah, yeah. And it's such a tiny thing, but that's your name. Mm. And even if it's just, and if if that's the first thing that you're having to switch it up for, Mm. just to be, to fit into the culture, it does have an impact on you. But I think we weren't necessarily having those conversations at those times, we were just very used to being the only in the room. I remember mm. when I went for one my, of my, my second job in an agency and the receptionist was black and I was like, ah, yeah, you know, yeah. and I thought maybe this means that it is more, yeah. no, I'm the only one. And then when that person <laughs> yeah. leaves, you're like, oh my God, I really am the only one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think all of those things make it challenging. Um, it does make it challenging in PR. I think we're getting a little bit better, but I wouldn't be surprised if people are still changing their name, shortening their name, yeah. getting rid of experience where they might have done it in you know, I'm doing a recruitment round at the moment, and, you know, where they might have worked in India or they might have worked in a different country before they came here. We need to make it a safer space for people to feel comfortable. To
1: be themselves. To be themselves. Or to
2: not have a British. And that's,
1: sorry, that's also a shame that like we all feel like when you get to a certain Seniority in your career—that you can, then, that you you can, can be your true be, self. Yeah. You know that—that that in itself is actually a really big problem. We all need to work on that around this table. Like, you should be—you fe- should be feeling welcomed and accepted from inception, yeah. Yeah. rather than trying to fake it till you make it and prove yourself yeah. and then be like, OK, cool. And I, I, I feel more the most unapologetic version of myself now. Yeah. But when I started, <laughs> absolutely not. Because yeah. don't
2: you see it as the rite of passage? Like, like yeah. you say, there is a rite of passage for PR, but as coming from someone who has a minority background, mm. yeah. that rite of passage is so much harder, yeah. harder yeah. different. Yeah, You've got Because you almost know what you're battling against. You're not having those conversations. There's no one else in the office who looks like you or might be having a similar experience. Mm but you're having to do all of those things before you can almost come out as whatever, you know, as your unapologetic self.
3: I was just gonna add to that, which is slightly a little bit off um, piece, Mm. but, I was thinking I had a paid internship, which really saved me when you're going back to the connections element. And I thought, because I couldn't afford to do paid, I mean non-paid internships, like I was commuting in from home, didn't have money, et cetera, et cetera. So I had this paid internship and it was like a godsend, it was a really big agency, it really helped me on my CV. And they had like four graduates that did it, and two of them were black, one of them was Asian, and one of them was white. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I can't believe I've got this. Like, it was such a prestigious thing. And then actually when I was in the environment, in the workplace, which is a huge agency, there was no one else that looked (laughs) like us. (laughs) So I was very aware that it felt uncomfortable from a really early stage Mm -hmm. that I was black. And that, you know, I was working on hair products, for example, that didn't cater to my hair Mm. and that like, you know, there was just so many er- like moments where I felt very like out of place in that paid internship. So while I was like, firming it because I knew I needed to for my CV. I hated every moment of it, but I knew I had to, to kind of have it on my CV. So back to the connections and back to sometimes diversity hires, it still needs to be an inclusive environment so that you actually genuinely, if there isn't people that look like you then get a mentor in that can support the person through their journey, there's things that can be done. And it's just like, you can't just do a diversity hire. And also the
1: person that's looking for that talent needs to be a diverse candidate themselves because otherwise you're not really like you can have all the training in the world you can have Everyone sit there and give you talks and you can have all the sessions and every kind of HR degree under the belt, mm. but you will not have that Be- eye. Experience. Yeah. You yeah. won't have that eye for seeing that person sat there mm-hmm. in front of you and really kind of connecting with them and mm-hmm. understanding them. It's
2: that what does good look like? Yeah. Mm. And yeah. if and how do we define good? And this is the stuff we talk about like all the time. It's like PR and she does it, it replicates the same kinds of people. It's almost for me it's like it's, it's I mean, it's not, not to say it's not a real industry. I and mean, we'll say is it an industry, is it not? But the rules have been are almost man-made. Yeah. Mm. And who made up those rules in terms of what it takes to be a good PR. PR? I think
0: that's a lot of... Yeah. And, you
2: know, it, it wasn't... They were, it, you know, it wasn't diverse. Yeah. So when you're looking for who is the ideal person, if you haven't got that lens or that experience or someone who can support you with that, how are you ever going to hire people that are not the same as you, yeah. unless you are truly saying this is about culture ad, which you see in job descriptions, but I don't think we're there yet in mm. terms of truly saying, okay, they are different to me, but I respect that experience that they have, their understanding of the world. Therefore, that is gonna be a value to my agency mm. or to mm. this role. Yeah, I think,
0: I think, yeah, you've all touched on the amazing points. And I think the only thing I would add to that is that when you are a person of color going into said industry, said company, you always think about two things. You're always thinking about what they're thinking and what you're thinking. Mm. So, whereas, I don't know, I can't live as a mm. I can't ask as a white counterpart, yeah. I can't speak for them, but I it feels like they think of one. And not to not to mm. not to big yeah. um not to belittle or not to um be rude about them, mm. but it's we're always thinking of that double end, right? It's, we're, both, we're checking both our mirrors, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yep, yeah, okay, now I know. who And I can am.
2: I do it? And am I in a position to do it? Because <clears throat> yeah. it's, it's hard work. Yeah. The job is hard anyway. Yeah. Yeah, PR definitely. has issues with mental health. You know, there's, it's a long, there's, there's, there's so many yeah, other true. issues. Yeah. And then if you are coming from a minority background, whether that is race, sexuality, whatever that might be, it's just even harder, yeah,
0: you know? Yeah, and I think exactly.
2: considering that it's a job that is centered around people, although I don't think the job is set around people, but we are about talking to audiences and relating to people, it actually doesn't make any sense. (laughs) You know, it's it's like one of those things where you're just like, it doesn't make sense that we don't see what is to be gained by having different people behind the scenes. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Must ask, guys, what is your proudest achievement? Oof.
3: Could have practiced for that one. (laughs)
1: I'll go first. I what? don't think I've had my proudest achievement yet. Ooh. Because, like, oh, you know know what i mean.
0: Yeah. It's not what we need, man, I need <laughs> art. Come on, <laughs> man, I need delivery. Come on, give me some, right. some, right. show us some. I've got my eyes on the cute
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I think my proudest moment is actually just being here and like still being in the industry, still genuinely, like when I wake up every morning, I do still love it. Mm. And I think that's like, if you ask anyone in comms, <laughs> they mm. would be like, yeah, that's a big, that's a big feat to mm. still do it and hang on to the roller coaster that it can be, and stand the test of time and continue to kind of, I hate to say it, like reinvent yourself and be like on it and Mm. be on the touch point of culture, all the new kind of, you know, mediums of media and stuff like that. So I think my proudest moment is probably still being
3: here. (laughs) (laughs) Hanging on on on, I need
0: more from you two guys, come on.
3: Um, (laughs) Okay, I'll go. My proudest achievement is launching my agency. Mm. Yes. Nice, easy one there. Nice, easy win there, ax and saw everyone. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I launched it out of frustration, to be honest, because I paid my time in the industry. It was quite close and quite seen after the George Floyd murder. It was, I spoke to actually Cam about it when I was launching. I was like, hi, please, can you help me know <laughs> <laughs> what I'm doing? Um, but like, yeah, genuinely, I was really proud. I had a good job. It was at a big agency, it was all the things that I said I wanted from my career at that point. But the George Floyd thing just shifted something internally. And I think it did for a lot of people of colour and in particular black people, where, you know, you were on client calls helping them to navigate their response but you've told them to be more diverse in their XYZ campaign for the entire time in my role there. And yet they're like, oh, quick, have you got any um, black influences that you can... <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, actually, this is what I've been trying to tell you. There's a reason this is important. And so I think that a lot of people became very frustrated and I think disgruntled with the way that they'd actually silenced themselves, appeased people. And if everyone was gonna sit there and say that they were listening and they're allies and everything else, why wasn't there significant change? And I just thought, I'm sick of asking people to be accepted. I will create the space I want and I believe should be part of the future of the comms industry. And so that for me is and saw. I'm trying, hopefully, making it you more inclusive. Doing, I'm doing. doing. Yeah. I'm doing. Yes, be positive. <laughs> I'm doing. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like, Definitely massive imposter syndrome. I, again, barely any black women have their own agency. Pretty much Barkerham that I know of, like, personally. Um, And I've definitely gone to seek them out. There's not many of us, so it's um, definitely a a thing that I will say is one of my proudest moments, and hopefully it continues to be that. And and I don't crumble.
2: It will. will. You're
3: right, you're right.
2: (laughs) Similar to Rachel, probably setting up my own agency and setting up Blackcoms Network. Like, I did them both more or less at the same time. Crazy. Which was crazy. <laughs> I don't even... And I was working a full-time job at the same time. Um, but for me, it was similar to what Rachel said... Um, I felt like from a black comms perspective, so many people around George Floyd's murder were sharing their experiences. I already had set up a WhatsApp group of like black women in PR that I'd been meeting. And it was like, is this a time for us all to connect? And everyone, the, what, the kind of one of the running themes was, oh, I didn't know there were other people that were sharing my story. So the, I almost was like, okay, I'm gonna I need to take the WhatsApp group to another level. What does that look like? That became the black comms network. Yeah and there's about 200 of us. It's grown it's really amazing. organically. That's and it. yeah, Rachel's part of it. And, um, you know, there's about 600 like, black professionals on our database. So we know that, that we're here. And the hunch was if we create a community, maybe more people will stay in the industry. So that is a super proud moment for me. Um, and then a month later, I launched Cold on My Own Agency for many of the frustrations that Rachel talked about was that I thought a lot of brands needed to be silent. It was the one time I saw mm. like, you know, we always say in comms, like you, you're only as good as the business strategy, right? We're not, I mean, I'm not saying spin, do, spin doctors don't exist, they do, but for a lot of us, it's like, okay, you're only going to be communicating or finding ways to elevate or amplify what the business is doing. That was the one time where comms was coming first. And comms people were like, we need to say something, we need to stand in solidarity. We need. And there was no policy, there was no diversity, there was no representation. Um, and I was really frustrated with the industry and I honestly would have left, Um, Mm -hmm. I was disheartened by it. I was frustrated reading all the stories. I'd almost had a... Epiphany with like, oh my god, I've experienced racism. Oh my god, all these microaggressions. What am I doing? Like, why am I here? So, colder was like the only way I could do it. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I launched, I said that I'd never seen a Kamikwa on an audience profile. Um, I'd never, you know, we were never ever trying to make campaigns that targeted the mainstream and every and the mass, you know, novel niche people with different backgrounds. Sometimes it's just small tweaks that means that more people are going to engage with a campaign. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, if no, I'm fed up of telling. People people to do it I'm gonna do it myself be the change and it's like for us the whole purpose of it is we'll show how you do better on purpose we're not going to convince you that you need to do this differently. We're not going to convince you that representation should be important. Just do inclusive campaigns mm. and marketing yeah. because we should be doing inclusive campaigns and marketing. Mm. Um, and so yeah, I think I'm on that journey. Like with Rachel, <laughs> it is hard. There are some amazing there are a few amazing like black women that I've come across, I'm sure there's more than the ones that I know Same. who are doing their thing. But I would say it's a challenge Also, because when you present as a black woman and in any business, if you present as any kind of minority, people think that's the only work that you do. Mm -hmm. Mm. So it's sometimes a double edged sword in terms of, okay, it's great if you're doing um, marketing or products for that community. That's fine. Absolutely makes sense. But if I sell tea or if I sell PR and marketing as a black person, it's like, oh, you only do black marketing to black people. No, I'm very good at that. We can do that. But we can all, you know, I've spent my whole career doing PR to everyone. So I think that's where it's like, it's great that we're here and we're doing this, but there's still so much further to go in terms of the broader industry, which sometimes you feel part of and sometimes you're not sure if you're part of, um, gets to that place where we're really talking about what does that look like from a supply chain perspective in terms of who are big brands working with Mm. and what does that actually look like? And
1: I think in 2022, if your strategy to... Acknowledge DNI issues is a black tile on Instagram. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. There needs to be a real, true. real one. Shout out on to people that still got
3: the real one. Real one. Real ones. Yeah. Real
1: ones. <laughs> Making <laughs> a <laughs> change. Making the <laughs> <a real laughs> change
0: since twenty. Yeah, yeah, it's so, true. Ones. I was going to
3: no. say actually, someone got in contact with me for new for a bit of new business, and it was a drinks brand. And the main person was like, Yeah, I love the work. And then their like head of marketing was like got on a call with me and was like. Oh, I don't really know if your agency, like, can handle it, because I know you focus on making campaigns diverse. And I was like... <laughs> 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 beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> We're not supposed to watch. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: But it still happened yeah.
3: um, in 2022. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, lastly, guys, I, what, the question I want to ask is, what would you tell your younger self? But I think one thing I would love to ask you guys is, is it's going to be a double barrel question. So what would you tell your younger self, so your university... Um, self leaving and what would you look for in someone that to assist you? Because I think one of the things I'm learning from this talk is people are gonna come up to you now. This is this is gonna go worldwide and people are gonna be like, I want to be <laughs> the next Signing you. Yeah up. exactly. Yeah. You guys watching PR, you guys are already <laughs> yeah. right no but I think people are gonna be inspired and they want to follow in your footsteps and they'll probably contact you. Search you up on LinkedIn as you said. Yeah. Um oh, what Signing. are you looking for in an assistant or someone to follow or if they were gonna follow you for a week, a month, a day, whatever, and what would you tell your younger self? Is that, yes, that's my question.
3: I'm gonna go straight oh,
1: Um <laughs> I would tell my younger self, have really thick skin. Mm-hmm. Say no a bit more often. Mm-hmm. And who I'd be, What oh, I don't know what I'd say to someone who wants to come and follow me for two weeks. <laughs> good luck. Be good luck, prepared. <laughs> Do you know what? Here's the thing. I think in, we're all on this earth to put positive contributions here. So you need to A, be having a good time. You need to be enjoying yourself mm-hmm. and doing good things. And also just being true to yourself. I think that's probably what i will tell my younger self. Mm-hmm. Don't compromise on your identity, you know, and be proud of that because I felt like I did that and I wish I didn't, you mm-hmm. know, at earlier on in my career. Now I'm just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. That's, like, that's what I'd probably tell my younger Not. self.
2: I tend to agree. I think that um, you've got your... I always say this, I've said it a few times, but, like, your version of life is valuable and your lived experience is valuable and is you need to bring that to the table. And I definitely think when I was younger, particularly when I was in like fashion college, I really felt just othered Mm. and that can take over. And I think I spent far too many years feeling othered. Mm. Um, And it's only now when I feel like I've stepped a bit more into my power. And even from that point, you still need to grow. So my advice to my 16 year old self is similar to yours in that just, The essence of what makes you you always be working on that and hone in on that. And I think for anyone that wanted to work with me, it's equally that. Like, there's so much pressure to fit in or not fit in because I think we're tribal to one degree, but almost now tribal is like doing your own thing. But are you really doing your own thing? Are you really doing things that really kind of elevate you, that nurture you, that makes you feel good as a person? And so I know it sounds a little bit holistic, but. When you're trying to make the right judgment for things, when you're trying to solve problems, a lot of that is you as a person and how you approach those sorts of situations. So it is about just having a really good understanding of you and never... Don't stop working on yourself from Mm -hmm. that perspective. Yeah, I mean, I would echo what
3: they've said. I'd also just probably add, like be explorative in your thinking in your way of being in the way that people communicate with you i think i took everything as such gospel mm. yeah. when i was younger I'd just yeah. be like oh is that how you do it and mm. even if it didn't make sense to me i'd just sign it off and say yes and agree and actually just taking a step back to thinking how you can explore more i've seen a lot of new talent who are really like rising through the ranks who have just basically I think taken a step back and been like actually I could do it a little bit differently and it's been the magic and the source that has made them so quickly successful and I think actually respecting the fact that we have all the minerals to be successful and actually just learning from other people because I definitely think that is one of the best ways for you to grow as a human but also making sure that you're taking the time to like explore other avenues like just as an example someone I was speaking to the other day was like oh, I did photography course and a di- this and a that. And obviously now they're like the head of digital because mm. they had these little extra skills exactly. that all made them one of the key players way ahead of anyone else in their mm. industry. And I think that if I did that, rather than just rushing down the path, mm. that would have helped me as well. Like I definitely did that, but like to more.
1: Yeah. yeah. And oh, sorry to add on, but your biggest problem is not your biggest problem. Mm. As well, because you'll sit and dwell like at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> 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 it not I'm your a, biggest problem. you got now. five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I yeah. do think the common one that everyone says is PR, not ER. Yeah. Oh, it really needs to just bang that drum because yeah. honestly, PR is like the front line of any disaster or any, you kind of get forgotten when it's great, actually, yeah. which is part of being yeah. in the background. Or it's like some sort of
1: luxury that you add on if you've got time. Yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: literally. But it's like, it is, no one is dying unless you're literally working in that type of industry. Yeah. But like, there's always a way around it. Problem solving, think outside the box. I just, my motto is like, don't present to me cookie cutter thinking yes. because I have no time for it. Like I want to see things that are slightly different. I want mm. us to always be pushing the boundaries. And I think that you should go into that as a young person, younger me, please keep doing that because that is what makes you, you.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you very much guys. And thank you very much for your time. It's been an amazing chat. We could chat all the afternoon honestly, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's Make been amazing. Sure thank you guys. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of LCC's Value Talks podcast. Keep up to date with future episodes and the latest on life at the college by following us on social media. You can check out our YouTube channel by searching for London College of Communication and also follow us over on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at LCC London. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.